Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Your home for everything. Lakers. Oh, this is a rough one. The Lakers fall to the Indiana Pacers. The lowly Pacers that have dropped 10 of their last 11 games. 111 to 104 before they head out onto the road trip. Sometimes we see those games as trap games, but still against the Indiana Pacers. The Lakers should not be losing that game. Karis LeVert goes berserk in the fourth quarter couldn't miss a shot it felt like he ends up with 30 points on the night and eight boards and the lakers get the loss leaving a lot of questions about what's going to happen now with head coach frank vogel and where we go moving forward here joining me is matt the optimist peralta optimism prime we might need it tonight how are you doing i'm, I'm numb um <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously not great um losing to a team like the Pacers at this point of the season really hurts um and all the goodwill that had been built up after the Utah Jazz win is now gone Trevor mm -hmm. yeah that's that's for sure that's um uh, that's the way you erase this right the Lakers they already burned all of their bad losses and then some in the first half of the season so their margin for error it's gone it doesn't exist so you can't lose a game like this you can't come out here and get this result and uh, I felt like the Lakers came out with the energy they needed to have in the first quarter. Things look good. And as we got into the second, towards the end of the second quarter, that energy waned. And then it was kind of downhill from there, especially into the third quarter. You just didn't quite feel like they had that intensity. It felt like they thought they had the game in the bag until suddenly they didn't anymore. And they just couldn't quite get it back. Yeah, I just... I don't know what happened, but it just felt like they took their foot off the gas pedal. They stopped trying nearly as hard. They came out of the first quarter really well. Um, I thought, oh, hey, look, this is carrying over from the last game. I think, you know, all things considered, if they had kept that pace up throughout all four quarters, this is probably a blowout the other way, um, you know, for the Lakers. But lo and behold, uh, Indiana fights back. They punch back a little bit. Mm -hmm. They start to get going. They see shots going down. You know, Malcolm Brogdon in the third quarter, I thought really sparked them. And then Karis LeVert in the fourth quarter, not having to deal with foul trouble anymore, decided to make up all the points that he was supposed to score <laughs> in the first three quarters in the fourth. Yeah. And the Lakers had no answer for it. And the lineups in the fourth quarter were very suboptimal, to say the least. And I'm sure the topic of tonight's live chat live chat live show whatever will be frank vogel trevor yeah let's start there let's start there so frank vogel what happens now what do the lakers do with him at this point we heard heading into the game against the utah jazz that everything was on the line in that one that a loss there after a bad loss to the denver nuggets where they lost by 37 probably would have meant the end of frank vogel then and it was the next morning that the piece came out from bill orham saying that that was pretty much Frank Vogel's job was on the line in that game. And then, then we hear the, the counter push that, oh, no, no, currently Frank Vogel's job's not in jeopardy. But again, that word currently. So now where do we go from here after a bad loss to the Pacers and the Lakers are getting ready to head out on the road on a six-game road trip? I mean, losing a game to a bad Pacers team when the Lakers need every win they can get, these are the kind of, kinds of games that get coaches fired. I have no idea where they go because I can't imagine that a coaching change is going to turn this season around True. at this point. Um, we're, we're just too far deep. It's, this is this was game 45 now for the Lakers. Um, there's not a lot of season left. So, you know, if the Lakers were to fire Frank Vogel, you'd have to assume that it probably is Fisdale for the rest of the season. And, you know, 
I'm not sure if he's the answer right yeah. now. It's hard to tell. Obviously, this was not a good Frank Vogel game at all, I, I don't think. And it's unfortunate because amidst all the reports the past couple of days, right, it's it's just terrible timing. And the narrative shifts right back to him. And it's a major distraction for this team right now, mm-hmm. constantly talking about the head coach's job security. And when his job security is out in the open like this, almost every single day it feels like, it's it's hard to tune that out no matter how much of a veteran team you are. At least I think so. Well, so Dre Johnson from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, how do you blame a guy that doesn't have pieces who fit his system? How is that his fault? Shouldn't we be looking at the front office? Um, yeah, I mean, so I we've consistently said, this is not all on Vogel. It's no. not all on Russell Westbrook. It's not all on the front office. It's not all on the roster construction. It's not all on any one particular thing. It's not. It's a lot of different things that have come together. However... The first and usually easiest thing to change, Rob Polink is not going to fire himself. You're not going to go trading players, particularly with how difficult it's going to be to trade some of the players the Lakers have. The coach is the easiest change to make. And so that's that's probably that's where most teams wind up. For better or for worse. I'm not saying that and I and that's probably if I was looking at what needs to be fixed, that's pretty low on my list of things that, that need to be fixed is the, the coaching situation, but that's the easiest one to do. So that's what you're going to try first. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. This is across almost all sports, I feel like, that the head coach is always the first thing to get blamed once a team starts underperforming. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably... I don't know. I don't want to say more fair, but I think the scrutiny is a little larger this time around because the Lakers were a championship team. And then every season since they've just gotten worse and worse. Right. And so while the 2020 team was a roster perfectly constructed for Vogel, uh, even 2021, I thought was, you know, more than fine for him to coach. This year's roster is not optimal by any stretch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to the Super Chats point, you know, you can't blame that on Vogel, but you can assign blame as far as you know how teams look mm-hmm. how prepared they look yep. in-game management of you know like who's coming in substitution patterns you know starting lineups etc like that that's all coaching decisions and that's where you know my biggest gripe with Vogel is right it took him what 20 almost 25 games to figure out deandre jordan shouldn't be playing right and then <laughs> right he's he still hasn't landed on you know who should start or who should play more minutes when for games right like it, I don't know. I, I think that it's unfair to blame everything on Frank, obviously, but I do think that he hasn't helped himself at all. Yeah, It's not been a, a good season for him either, especially when you, um, and I do need to get into some of his post-game comments that some people are talking about here, but, um, but Frank Vogel, look, he's, I think he's a good coach. I think that he is. Now, he's a good defensive coach, and so it takes a specific team for him to really shine, for you to really see his stuff. I think that in terms of the in-game decisions that he made tonight, there were some that were questionable. There were some that are interesting. And in fact, because we're going to spend plenty of time talking about Frank Vogel, I need to hit you with this. He benched Russell Westbrook tonight. He did. the stretch. We've been talking about this a lot. Now, it didn't turn into win, but... In a game where Frank Vogel was seemingly coaching for his job, right? And before game, all we were asking Frank Vogel about, most or most of us anyway, was about his job status. That's what was going on in his pregame press conference. And he handled that beautifully, by the way. I was blown away by how he was so good at deflecting all of these questions coming out at him about his job situation. He handled that masterfully. 
But yeah. he knew that's the situation. So with his job on the line, he benched Russell Westbrook. What do you think that means? Um, I mean, I think it kind of just goes to show or that he's at least trying to tell, you know, the world that he's not afraid to make difficult decisions when the time calls for them. Because, you know, let's face it, benching your supposed third or I guess in this case, second superstar mm-hmm. of the night uh, in a crucial fourth quarter stretch says a lot about, you know, how much he trusts him in that in that moment. But also, I, I thought that it was interesting that he didn't go to Dwight in the fourth yes. because he had neutralized Sabonis, you know, pretty decently in that first half. And then, uh, lo and behold, it wasn't just Levert. Sabonis did a lot in that fourth quarter, you know, rebounding and passing the ball. And I thought Dwight was sorely missed in that aspect as well. So it's it's like a game of whack-a-mole. It's like benching Russ, I thought, was, you know, a smarter decision because even though he was four of six from beyond the arc... Trevor, let's... let's I'm going to hit you with this, yeah. too. Um Russ was four of six from beyond the arc tonight. Yep. I don't think you're getting that game ever again the rest of the season. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Four I for don't. six, like, it, it might pop up. It's enough of a random chance that that, that happens. He's not a good three-point shooter, but but sure. You're, I don't know. Okay, is he going to shoot? I would bet one? against it. Oh, sure, that's fair. But if you take that away, he was one of 11 from the night. <laughs> <sighs> that hurts. So I don't blame Vogel at all for taking him out. So, um, and I've got, we need to add this here. Frank Vogel just said, he was asked about benching Russell Westbrook. He said, I was playing the guys I thought were going to win the game. Which you should always do every single yeah, night, right? right? But that's, 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 that's pretty shocking though, that it wasn't Russ. Right. Um, and I know he subbed in Bradley and Russ and oh my God, I'm just going to say it again. It's like clockwork. You just know that those two are coming in, <laughs> in, in quarters yeah. that they probably shouldn't. Uh, I mean, kudos to him for for taking Russ out, and you know, I think eventually subbing out Bradley too. I don't recall off the top of my head, um, but it just comes back to this whole lineup, you know, situation where the answers are very clear to me, at least as a fan watching the games. That you you just need guys that aren't going to hurt you mm-hmm. whenever they're out there. Uh, that's why I go back to Stanley Johnson a lot. That's why I go back to Austin Reeves a lot. You know, THT playing extended minutes because he was shooting the ball well. That's totally fine by me. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, I can't really give Vogel a pass for that though. No, I, I think he's a good coach too. Like, don't get me wrong. Is the result for this game reversed if Dwight Howard is playing those Carmelo Anthony minutes? Cause Melo was bad defensively tonight. Oh, he was tor- He He was bad. He was bad. I, there's no way to put it. Yeah. Um, first game back after, you know, missing a couple of games with back tightness. I mean, maybe maybe that had something to do with it defensively. Like that that sucks to have to move around if your back's not all the way there yet. But I mean, if that was the case, then you got to put Dwight in there. Like what I said, like if there's ever a time to play a traditional big, it's when the other team has a good big man. Now, <laughs> and so I thought he would have felt. I will say Sabonis has the ability to step out to the three point line, so that can sometimes challenge Dwight Howard. But I thought Dwight was doing just fine. Was doing, I thought so was too. doing just yeah. fine in there. And so to not go to him and when you're down, I get the knee jerk reaction. We need points. Mellow's probably our best or one of our best three point shooters. Let's get him on the floor. But he was 0 five from three and he was getting crushed defensively. Um, he made a few decent hustle plays. I mean, it wasn't all bad from Carmelo Anthony. There were some good plays for him, but I felt like defensively the, the Pacers were really going at him and abusing him, especially when you've got a 
big-ish guard like Karis Levert had no problem getting downhill and getting in one-on-one -on -one situations with Carmelo and then just finishing over him. And so if that's the scenario, you probably aren't going to play Carmelo Anthony for that that stretch. So we'll see what winds up what winds up happening with Frank Vogel. But I think the decision-making in this game in terms of who played, who didn't, was certainly suspect. And that was something that contributed to this loss. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no other way to put it. This is a game the Lakers should have won. Oh, yeah. Like, point, bl point blank. Not because I think the paces are bad or whatever. I mean, I think they are bad, but um, the Lakers are clearly better than this. And they were for, like, the first half. Yeah. And, you know, third quarter woes and then a complete collapse in the fourth quarter. There was... There were, there were ways to avoid that. I mean... I don't know, Trevor. Like, this one is just one that's pretty deflating, especially, you know, after coming off your best win yeah. of the season. Well, and the way they started this game, too, because the big question mark was, is this energy going to sustain itself? Are they going to continue playing? And they did to start the game. They did. They played with that energy. They were closing out, doing all the stuff they needed to do defensively. And I thought, okay. But then once the Pacers got on a little run, they kind of shrunk again. The Lakers just kind of fell to pieces. Once, once they stopped feeling the success of getting stops, the extra effort also stopped. And that's that's been a troubling trend with this team. Um, our own Daniel Starkan, Frank, uh, LeBron James, after the game, on the Lakers coaching staff. They've been great, and they've put us in position to succeed, and we've got to go out there and do better. Is LeBron James the only one who can save Frank Vogel right now? If Here, I'm going to... This is actually a point I wanted to bring yeah. up later in the show, but... Um, if LeBron and AD really wanted Vogel out, he'd be gone by now. Yeah. There's like we saw what LeBron did with David Blatt in Cleveland. Like, if Vogel was really that bad of a coach, or if he had really lost the locker room or lost his leaders in LeBron, AD, and maybe even Russ, then Vogel wouldn't be the Lakers head coach right now. So it leads me to think that Vo LeBron likes Vogel enough to keep him around longer, or maybe LeBron understands that a coaching change this late into the season wouldn't do much good. For the team, mm -hmm. I don't know. But my suspicion is if LeBron went up to Rob and say, hey, man, no one's listening to Vogel anymore. I don't want to play for him anymore. We need someone else in here. It would have been done already. That's true. That's true. Although I wonder, you know, if you're LeBron, and let's say you know Vogel's probably out after this game. And I'm not saying, I'm not stating Vogel's probably out after this game. I'm saying if, you're, if LeBron has that knowledge that after this game Vogel's probably out, wouldn't you come out and say positive things about him? Because otherwise you're going to get asked about, did you have anything to do with this? Is it, you know, what did you think about this situation? All of that. And he can say, oh, no, no, I liked him. I liked him. Right. Sure. I mean, and again, that's I'm, that's me just conspiracy theory there. I, I would rather just take LeBron at face value and, and believe what he's saying here when he's saying that the coaching staff's been great and they've put him in position to, to succeed. I would like to think LeBron's being genuine there, just kind of playing devil's advocate. No, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, maybe this is just his way of, you know, making sure blame doesn't get attributed. Because LeBron's a very self-aware guy. Mm -hmm. He knows that if Vogel got fired tomorrow, people are instantly going to say, oh, he probably had something to do with it. Uh, so, you know, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. It's, it's, you know, playing the media game a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I mean, my initial belief is that if Vogel, if the Stars wanted Vogel out, he'd be out. So this is purely a front office driven decision, in my opinion um let's see what else we've got going on here in some of the super chats we need to get into because i know i've got a lot of people firing stuff off here 
somebody asked why did Melo play 30 minutes he was 0 of 5 yeah I mean that's that's what we've been talking about like that's the one of the questionable coaching decisions that we saw tonight Melo getting that many minutes and again he had he did have some big energy plays early on in the game but overall defensively he was really hurting the Lakers tonight uh listen I don't believe he's a bad coach but good lord we at least need someone who will acknowledge what they see and act on it regardless of ego it's necessary why did Stanley Johnson uh not get back on the court why was Russ back in well I mean he did bench Russ down the stretch I think they're probably asking why he even came in at all at that point oh. um yeah I I mean it Maybe Russ could have made a couple plays and he maybe Vogel would have stuck with him, but clearly nothing happened, so he pulled him. Um, I thought Stanley should have played more. I should I thought Stanley should have taken Melo's minutes if they were really gonna yes. devote going to going small. If it wasn't gonna be Dwight, then at least go to Stanley. I, right? I think the one thing that you know you're going to get out of the younger guys is the effort. Monk, yes. Reeves, Stanley Johnson, you know those guys are gonna fly all over the place. No, they don't have the veteran savvy that some of the veteran players do. But on most nights, I feel like I would rather take the activity level and the effort and the intensity from the young guys than what the older lineup. And it's really kind of funny the way the lineups are broken down right now. The starting five is this older group with LeBron and Ariza and Russ and, and Dwight and Avery Bradley. And then the bench mob now, if we want to call them that, is the younger group. And they, they, they play almost a different style. It's, uh, it's like similar to like the 2009 bench. It right? is. Farmar, Sasha, Shannon Brown, um, you know, that ragtag group of like, you know, high, like, cause you know, that Lakers, that Lakers group was, you know, slower, bigger, Bynum, Powell, mm -hmm. you know, Kobe, et cetera. But then the younger group came in and changed the pace. Um, that's what this group feels like too, with Stanley, Monk and Reeves. But when push comes to shove, like if I've got to win a game, if I have to win one quarter, I'm going with LeBron and the kids over Same. the other group. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. If you told me when Anthony Davis comes back, uh, if you told me that the Lakers starting lineup was the big three and then two kids, I would be pretty ecstatic. If if we're looking at this this grouping, and I, I, I want to talk about Trevor Ariza here. If we're looking at this, why is Trevor Ariza in the starting five? Because I think there is a reason for it, but it's upsetting Lakers fans. That he's in the start, oh, that man. he's in the starting five right now, and I think there's a disconnect. I think that we tend to look at the starting five as a meritocracy, as the best players are in the starting five, and usually that is the case. No. Usually, your best players are in the starting five. I don't think Ariza is one of your best players right now. I think he's more of a ten to fifteen minute a night guy. He's getting yeah. his legs under him. He's coming back from ankle surgery. It's going to take him some time. Um, I don't think that he's going to be this this. 30 minute night contributor. So why is he in the starting lineup? I think there's more to this in terms of the chemistry that the second unit has with the young kids together. I think that's a factor in Ariza getting the starting job more than Ariza being the starter because he's the best option there. And I think that's where Lakers fans are, are disconnecting from that decision. I think, you know, that's that's partially it. And I also think that Vogel is trying out the starting lineup that he initially wanted to have. And he, he's, you know, he's finally getting to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Anthony Davis is a big part of this. Um, but I think Vogel is trying to give Ariza opportunities to, to, you know, see if he deserves that starting spot or not. And I think the idea of Trevor Ariza in most people's minds is still pretty ideal. You know, because if you look at the starting lineup, right? Um, who started tonight? LeBron, Trevor, Dwight, Russ, Avery, Bradley. Yeah. So out of that group, you don't really have a 3 and D guy. 
uh, at least in theory, right? Obviously, LeBron can do everything, but uh, you don't want to task him with that. So you need to plug someone in there. And Trevor Ariza at 6'8", with a pretty decent wingspan and can theoretically shoot a three-pointer, uh, fits that mold. So you probably go with the veteran guy who has more experience, right? Um, I think that's part of it. I think Vogel is... And because Vogel had said this previously, right? He said Trevor Ariza was going to be a big part of what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had visions of starting Trevor as a small ball four. And I think he was right in that in terms of skill set. But I think Ariza physically hasn't been able to to do the things that they hoped he could do. Like people, yes. people are asking me, weren't you excited for Ariza to come back? Why are you suddenly down on Because we adjust based on new information that's in front of us, right? Like anyway, Ariza doesn't quite look like he's 100% physically. You could see the quickness, yes. the quickness isn't there. The skill set though, I think Frank Vogel was right that the Lakers did need that. And Stanley Johnson is a great example of why they needed that. They needed more big wings that could do things like rebound, like defend on the perimeter, do that sort of stuff. He was hoping Trevor Ariza could do it. Stanley Johnson, I think, could do it uh, at, a, at a higher level right now than Ariza can. But then that begs the question, when you go and you look at the game, Ariza is playing 15 minutes. Stanley Johnson's playing 16 minutes. The gap between those two should be larger. We should see a lot more Stanley Johnson minutes than Trevor Ariza minutes right now. I think that, and I've been saying this all season, so I hate to keep repeating myself, but I think a lot of the Lakers' issues are personnel-based. And for the like umpteenth time now, Trevor, and I've talked about this a lot, is that there is just not a lot of lateral or quickness along, lateral foot speed or quickness along the perimeter for this Lakers team mm-hmm. right now. There just isn't. Um, and I, I'm not, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and bash Trevor Ariza like all night because no. that's still my guy. But at this point in his career, he is a step slower than most guys that he is trying to guard. And so that compromises your defense, stresses it out. You've got people scrambling and rotating all over the place. And before you know it, someone else has an open shot on the other team. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that when Vogel goes to, you know, THT, Monk, Reeves, Stanley Johnson, and you know a fifth guy that the Lakers defense suddenly looks more competent is because they're just there's not as many leaks right uh guys aren't getting beat as easily mm-hmm. you've got guys that are able to recover a lot quicker you're contesting shots a lot better and then it's fueling your transition attack which is where the Lakers are at their best um and that's another thing too you know a lot of this Lakers offense is based on you know early or semi-transition opportunities and they're just not getting a lot of those because they don't get as many stops yeah and that was what we said coming into the season we said when we yeah. looked at this roster put together, we said this team can be really good in transition if they can get enough stops to get into transition. That was going to be the big question mark, and that was going to be kind of a tipping point. And so far, they haven't been able to, and that didn't allow them transition opportunities. The Pacers were scoring so much in the fourth that the Lakers weren't able to really get their offense running off of yeah. missed shots and turnovers. So it was it was kind of a double whammy. Not only are you giving up points, but you're also hurting your offense because now you're having to play against the Pacers' half-court defense every single trip down the floor. And that was part of that was just Karis LeVert was on a heater, and he was scoring. Part of it yeah. was bad defense from the Lakers. Part of it, though, was Karis LeVert was just, he was just hitting shots um, and not shots that he will always hit. Sean Tate says, Vogel can't make adjustments. We need a change. George Torres says, not all his fault, but Vogel can't survive this. On Dr. Bus Night... Too stubborn to change pick and roll coverages. Old guys can't lock trail and rotate and rebound 50 uh, paint points. 
Yeah, the points in the paint were a big story for the Pacers. They went right God. into the middle and maybe more reason why we probably should have seen more Dwight Howard, although he doesn't clean up yes. everything in there. But uh, the paints in the, uh, paints, the points in the paint were a big problem for the Lakers tonight. And how much of that do you put on Vogel? I mean, you know, to be fair about the whole Dwight point, I think I tweeted this out, is that the first like 16 points for the Pacers were in the paint tonight. With Dwight on the and floor. And with Dwight on the floor. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, you know, insert Dwight Howard or other big man and suddenly paint points for their team goes away. Yeah. Um, but taking him out definitely did not help. <laughs> um, and so it's just like this cause and effect thing or this trickle down effect, right? Um, but yeah, you know, those those comments aren't, they aren't they're not incorrect. <laughs> um, I've got a super chat here. Somebody says, I'm watching Frank Vogel's interview. He looks so bummed. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he... I would be bummed yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. And then another super chat here says, Frank's lineup suck. <laughs> you continue to let Sabotas kill you on the boards midway through the fourth and not sub in Dwight. Leaves Mello in instead of subbing in Ariza, who's a capable three-point shooter and a much better defender. It's interesting advocating for Ariza being the guy to come in, but this is coming from someone named Dame. If this really is Dame Lillard, maybe you can, you know... Push, come your way over push here. Push your way out towards towards LA. But um, in any event, <laughs> what what do you think about that in terms of the the lineups and all of that? I mean, I think that the lineup that we're seeing right now is about maximizing the bench unit and getting a lot out of them. And so that's why we're not seeing like Ariza with the second unit. Obviously, it's not it didn't work tonight, but it did last game against the Utah Jazz. So I understand why Vogel stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, I think Vogel's a creature of habit, so he tries to keep things as, you know, normal or same as possible because there just hasn't been any consistency this season. But I think, you know, with that being said, I thought it, I thought Vogel was doing a pretty decent job in the first half because I don't know if you noticed this, but he was mirroring Dwight's minutes with Sabonis. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so I was like, oh, that's smart. Like, that makes sense. You know, he's really the only Pacers real big guy right now because Miles Turner is out. So why not, you know, make sure Dwight's fresh and that his minutes match whatever Sabonis is on the floor? Um, that being said, I didn't think Ariza was the answer. I definitely didn't think Melo. I thought Melo played way too long in the fourth. Yes, he just did. Yep. There was like, obviously, you look at the box score, you look six of 12. Like, that's pretty good. 50% shooting, right? Uh, zero for five for three, though. Not great, especially when the Lakers, you know, are relying on him to to hit those shots, right? Um, so, I get it. Melo absolutely deserves some playing time in the fourth, I thought, because, you know, that's just a normal rotation or substitution pattern. But if you're getting consistently killed in the same actions over and over between Sabonis and Levert two-man game, then you need to change something up. Melo had a couple of open threes in the fourth where if he hit those, we're talking about him. We're talking about this differently. And he just, he, he missed them. And so that's, uh, you know, that's the way games can swing. People say it's a, a make or miss league or a make or miss game. It's kind of true in that sense. When you're Carmelo Anthony, it's a decent amount of your value is tied to your three point shooting. He hits those shots. We're probably talking about a very different game here, but in any event, he didn't make them. And so now it's looking like that decision to stick with him was not the right one. Uh, Dre Johnson said, do you guys think a JaVale type center is missed? Yes. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just I, a more mobile big and JaVale's not athletic. Yeah. J yes. It's not like you're switching JaVale one through five or anything like that, but pretty athletic. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been saying it. JaVale's the, the, the second best big man the Lakers have had since, since Vogel took over. Uh, I guess traditional center. Sorry. I should traditional center, phrase that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Somebody asked me, asked Trevor, how often do you get a haircut? Not often enough because I've needed one for like a week now. Like that's, <laughs> can, that's the answer. can you guys just ask us non-basketball related <laughs> questions? Because this is just going to make me sad, man. <laughs> Take our minds off of this. Uh, Dre Johnson also said, um, Kendrick Perkins said it best. LeBron and AD need to go to bat for Vogel. That man changed a culture and brought a championship. How much power does Kurt Rambis really have? Again, is that <laughs> that may be... It might take LeBron going to management and saying, or going to the front to the powers to be and saying, Vogel's the guy, don't get rid of him in order for him that, to stay. Right? If if LeBron can tell Polinka to go trade for Russell Westbrook, he can absolutely tell Polinka to say to tell to tell yes. Polinka keep Vogel. Good point. Absolutely can do Good it. Good point. Um people are commenting Westbrook skipped the postgame interview. Um, I don't, he's probably pissed. Well, yeah, I, I he's, blame he's him. probably upset. Um, it's honestly, if Russell Westbrook, when he's upset and he goes into an interview, you, you're going to get one or two things. You're going to get something and it's going to be something, you know, that's, that's pretty not pleasant. Yeah. Not, not pleasant. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> pretty, pretty explosive. Right. Or you're going to get nothing or yeah, you're going to get nothing. Are an adventure. He, he will yeah. do that. Sometimes you'll get nothing from him. He'll just give you the short answers to the, and just want to get out of there. So him skipping, it's if he was in the media session, it's not a guarantee you were going to get to hear what you wanted to hear from him. Just to throw that out there. How much stock do you put into him and, you know, LeBron recently skipping out on a post game presser? I don't know. Like how much does that matter? I mean, look, every, That's every player yeah. right now is getting asked about Frank Vogel and his job security. Even, even Carmelo Anthony, they're all having to deal with this question right now. So I understand why, why Melo would want to skip it. I understand why LeBron would be frustrated and want to skip one. It becomes a news story in and of itself, but I, I don't know if it means more than just they're frustrated that they lost the game. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's, yeah. that's understandable. Now, if it's happening all season, then that's a, a different story. But every now and then I'm just really angry and don't feel like I can, I can hold back if I have to answer these questions oh, again, which they get asked the same questions a lot. I can, I can let that slide every now and then. You know, I, if I was a player, if I was on the Lakers roster right now, right, I I would be so frustrated because this entire season just feels like two or three, st one step forward, two or three steps back every single game. Um, like if the Utah Jazz win cannot propel you to start some sort of run, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what will. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, am I crazy for thinking that? Well, and that's yeah. So does a coaching change? spark them to suddenly get better i, I don't know if that that like, win of the utah jazz didn't do it like because here's my thing like it's still going to be the same coaching staff even if you take vogel out yeah it, it'll like, just unless, it'll just be fizdale at the helm probably or unless, unless you go lakers, like Phil handy or something yeah or unless the lakers are going to pull a timberwolves and just suddenly hire someone from another team without a real interview process mm -hmm. right when they had handpicked chris french um, unless the Lakers are doing something like that, which to there have been literally zero reports suggesting that that's going to happen. If the Lakers fire Vogel, it's the same coaching staff. Um, it's the same voices in the locker room, in the media sessions or in the, um, in the practice film room stuff. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's, it's the same people. So getting rid of Vogel, I mean, you're just kind of getting rid of the fall guy here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, 
you're still going to have the same, well, to a degree, right? You can have, if, if you have a different final decision maker, they're going to change sure. some things. Some things are going to change just because they, they have to. If you have, let's say Fizdell takes over, he's not going to keep doing the exact same things that Frank Vogel does sure. because that's not going to lead to him staying. He's got to do different stuff. And then, then when they work, he can say, see, look, I did this. That's why I should stick around. And this worked in this way, this way, this way. So things are going to change, but you are right that it is still going to be a lot of the same guys. You're not changing over an entire coaching staff right now. You're not. You can't. Unless, you unless Kurt Rambis and Rob Palenka want to go take over the coaching duties themselves. God, that, that's the know. only way that's going to happen. I, I don't know what the record is off the top of my head, but I just know for a fact Kurt Rambis has one of the worst coaching it's records bad. in NBA history. It is bad. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's a here's a Matt Peralta question. It says, nice. "Can we?" And let me save some of these other super chats as they're coming in. It says, "Can we only have Matt on the show when we win? We only see him when it's a loss." Thank you for giving us That's therapy not... after every loss. So, Matt, is is that the problem? Is it we schedule it's... you to be on the show and that turns the game? Me. In fact, were the Lakers winning when you texted me to remind me that you were on the show tonight? They were winning. Oh, no. Well, no. Actually, it was mid-third quarter when the run was happening. Okay. So, you know, uh, I could check the timestamp. But you know what? To be fair, they might not be wrong. <laughs> this, this might be on you. It really might. I'll take, I'll take the fall for this. Oh, my. Uh, Mook Morris. I, I will excuse myself from the show for the greater good of the Lakers fandom. If that's what it takes. <laughs> if that's whatever it takes. Yeah. The Peralta curse. That's what the chat is talking about now. Look, it's probably look true, what, honestly. Look what we've done. Look what we've no, done. No, you guys are right. I, Trevor, let's try it. I, will, I, I was going to tell you my availability for like the next couple of weeks, but let me just let me lay low for a little bit. You're going to lay low? Yeah. Uh, Dre Johnson said, Kurt Rambis' coaching record is 32 and 132. That's not good. I think it's worse than that. That's really bad, though. <laughs> Some wait, thirty-two and one thirty-two. Oh, you know why? Because I'm I'm not including the uh, the interim head coaching stint he had oh, in New York, which yeah. is also just as bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mook Morris tra trade question here. Given Miles Turner's injury concerns, uh, could they potentially lower his trade value? Do you think the Lakers possibly make a trade for him more than Jeremy Grant? So what do you think with with Miles Turner now hurt? He's out past the trade deadline. Do the Lakers then suddenly go ahead and make a move for it? To me, that feels very risky. A big man with a foot injury. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, what's the po the point of the trade is to get better, right? It's not you're not building toward next season. So why would you devoid yourself of a key rotation guy when you're not even sure when the guy you're trading for is going to come back anytime yeah. soon? Uh, the only thing we know right now is that it's past the trade deadline, which is February 10th. Um, if that's the case, the best case scenario is that you trade for miles turner and he's right back at it as soon as the trade deadline's over right and what's the guarantee and it's a stress reaction which can turn into a stress fracture if it's not fully healed and so it's trading dangerous. trading a player who has an injury already to a lakers team that is conservative with their with their rotation players or with their players in general having injuries like it doesn't make sense so i think it does you know lower his price but if I'm Indiana, why would I trade Miles Turner now when his value is probably at its you know perceived lowest? Yeah, 
that's that's the other part. That's why we've been hearing that they've now, they're now maybe more interested in training Sabonis, who I would also be very happy to take. But I think his asking price is going to be much higher. Oh, it's to get Sabonis. a lot it higher. Is. Um, yeah. By the way, somebody mentioned you just skipped my super chat. No, I save them as they go through. See what I get is someday I'll show everybody my screen. What I get is I get YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of it put into one. So I've got one chat and they go flying past. It goes pretty fast because we're coming in from all these different sources. Um, and fortunately, we do have a lot of people that, that come in here. Thank you guys very much for, for joining us. And so I save them as we go through and that way I can go back and access them because if I try to get them while they're flying past, it's almost impossible within the flow of a conversation. So if you send in a super chat, just know we may not get to it at that second. When you see me looking at the screen, that it, your super chat might be up. That doesn't mean we're going to talk about that one right at that moment. There are times where it's within the flow of the conversation and we just go for it. But a lot of times I save them and then we'll get to them as the show goes on. So there you have it. Yep. Speaking of which, here's one from Showtime DJ that said, do you think we wake up to Vogel being let go tomorrow? Also, do you agree it's time to hit the panic button? Well, first of all, I think it would be kind of like if the Lakers are planning on firing Vogel, it would be kind of wrong to let him fly across the country to Orlando oh, yeah. to start the road trip and then fire him. Right. So if yes. they're going to let him go, I would think it would be before the plane takes off tomorrow. You would think that. I mean, there's also the possibility of, well, actually, no, I was going to say maybe they do it, you know, in that that break time after the All-Star break. But could happen. But that at that point, that's like 25, 30 games left of the season. I don't know if they would do that. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of adjusting on the fly that changes team dynamics, like the lock. Like there's a lot of factors to consider there. There's a lot of human elements though. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I've been kind of pessimistic about them letting go of Vogel in season. Um, at this point, I think it's a foregone conclusion. He's gone at the end of the season, whenever that wraps up. True. If he makes it there, there's just no way. Like you can't endure all this in season drama for you to suddenly say, we're going to keep the coach after all there. I, I think it'd be better for both sides. Like it's, here, I'm going to advocate for Vogel a little bit. I would hate to be in his position right now because I've been dealt such a bad hand and I'm, you know, admittedly not making the best out of it, but I'm at least trying. Um, and so why would I want to subject myself to another year uh, with the Lakers where the same story is going to happen again next year because I don't really have much of a say in the roster construction at all. So a Luke Walton situation is what you're talking about. Right. I mean, Luke Walton apparently went to the Lakers and, and talked to them about him leaving because he knew it wasn't, gonna go his way yeah i mean i mean you gotta make smart business decisions for yourself mm -hmm. and i feel like you know vogel wants to be a head coach in the nba this is still like after this stint with the lakers you know it's it might be just time for both sides to part ways like it's not anything personal obviously it's just the way the season has gone it's very clear that i think the two sides at this point have differing visions or opinions on how the team should be built and here's a question that's coming in on a super chat. Uh, can you think of a good coach replacement for Vogel if he was fired? Are there any no names that come to mind? <laughs> We've been, we had this in our chat. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the problem. That's the problem. Like, who are you What's replacing him with that's going to do better with this group? Especially somebody coming in not with their own coaching staff. Like, do you turn to an outside hire? Do you just go, Fizz? Okay, here you go, Phil Handy. Let's give you let's give you a shot. Hop in. 
I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, why did the Lakers pick Vogel in the first place? It's because they were willing to accept whatever terms they laid out, right? Yeah. That's why they didn't get Monty. That's why they didn't get Ty Lue. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's not going to be one of these seasoned or veteran head coaches, like popular names in the rumor mill, because they have so much clout or equity in the league that they're going to ultimately have, they're ultimately going to want a lot of say in how things are said and yeah. done, right? So that would, to me, rule out someone like, I've seen this a lot, like the Van Gundys. Yeah, I, I've seen that. I've one. seen a lot of people pining for them. Um, please do not mention or suggest Mark Jackson to me because I'm going to say <laughs> There's no. There's like five Mark Jacksons in our chat right now. I just do not want Mark Jackson as a Lakers head coach personally. So, um, and here's the thing with I, that. Like these coaches, I'm sorry to, to cut you off, but the, no, the bigger ahead. name coaches, if Mike D'Antoni is another one that's popped up. They're yep. not going to want to be to be brought in for finish out the season and then we'll see. No, they're going to want, okay, cool. If I'm coming in and you need me to coach right now, I want four-year deal, right? The, these guys, these no names, they're not going to come in and, and take, oh yeah, finish out the final 30 plus games and then and then I'll see you later. And then we'll, we'll see how things look in the off season. They're going to want more mm -hmm. certainty than that. So if you do let go of Vogel, what are your options out there? There's probably pretty limited at this point like look at the lakers hiring practices or, or trend of, of like who they hire right it's someone that's affiliated with the organization or has a previous or has previous head coaching experience mm -hmm. uh same goes for the assistant coaches too right um there aren't a lot of names that would fit the lakers bill right now um like i i would personally wouldn't mind it if they took a shot on like a younger up-and-coming head coach you know who's sat on like a few benches now and is like the lead assistant somewhere else mm -hmm. but knowing the lakers and their hiring practices like i mentioned i don't see that happening so if the lakers do fire vogel it is more than likely going to be david fisdell or phil handy for the rest of the season yep and then the front office will just clean shop after that some people in the chat said linda rambus I mean, she's basically running half the team, right? So, uh, the Jeremy said at this point, I think you just leave the roster alone. I think making a move is going to make it worse. Just run it and see as we go. Yeah, I think you have to be careful if you're the Lakers that you don't sure. like. Tht has looked better, and, yes. and you know, shot the ball with confidence today. I liked that. Um, you have to be careful that you don't. You're not so desperate to make a move that you make a bad move. And teams understand this position. The, the Tht had 20 points and seven assists tonight and two blocks teams know that the Lakers are in trouble right now. So yes, they're going to use that against the Lakers in any kind of trade negotiation to try to pry yes. more out of them. Said it. I say it every year. No trade is better than a bad trade. It's possible that the Lakers find themselves in a position where teams try to hold their record over them. And the fact that they've got LeBron and all of these things to force the Lakers to do a bad trade. And if that's the case, as disappointing as the fan base would be, if the trade deadline comes and goes and there's no trade, that might be the preferred option. If the only other choice is a bad trade. Yeah. I, I wanted to bring up that exact point is that when it comes to trade negotiations, it's all about leverage. So Teams can smell the desperate on the mm -hmm. Lakers right now. Every team knows that the Lakers have been actively shopping THT, none, and picks, right? If I'm a team that has a player that the Lakers want, I'm going to sit down and talk to them on the phone, and I will say, hey, I see your offer, and I don't really think that this is enough. I'm going to want more out of you yep. for whatever player it is that they're targeting, right? And given that the Lakers are struggling and they're desperate to make a run this year because they can't waste another year of LeBron playing well, 
you know, it's it's set them it's setting them up to make a move that I think fans are going to be very disappointed in. And I'm not going to be surprised when it happens, but I will be very disappointed when it does because it's like I I think Grant is like almost impossible at this point. I think. Yeah, getting him is going to be certainly difficult. Just there's so many teams that are after him. There there just are. But you know what you you mentioned the leverage thing. This is why. So like Keith and I did a show this morning all about the the story that came out about the Kings now being willing to move De'Aaron Fox. And sure. people were were running around screaming, no, 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 look, look, a story came out saying that's not true. Of course it did. Because as soon as that came out, the Kings went, what? No, we're not trading De'Aaron Fox. Why would we do that? No, that's not happening. Because if it gets out that they're trying to trade him, then they have less leverage. They want to. Yep. They wanted to be seen as a team. Asked them about De'Aaron Fox. They want to go. Oh, no, we love him. If you want him, you better come strong with an offer because, man, we love this guy. They don't want to get yeah. out that they're considering moving him. So of course you're going to see these these back and forths in the media through very strategic leaks this time of the year. That's the that's the way the game is played because it's all about that leverage that you were talking about. And can I can I speak to THT's trade value yeah. right now too? Here's the thing, and that is hand in hand with what you just said, because if the rest of the league knows that the Lakers are shopping THT, what does that say about you know how much they value him or what kind of player they think he can become? Right. Mm -hmm. um, anytime you have a young up and coming asset with upside, your your initial inclination or decision is to keep that player. Because that's that could be your future. Right. But if the Lakers are calling, you know, I would I'd have to assume almost every team, hey, THT is available. That doesn't really bode well, you know, as far as true. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but they also if, don't if have I, any other option, right? I know, but that's my thing, though, is that the Lakers were that high on THT, they would just keep them off the table and they would just run the roster how they would. Sure. How it's constructed. True. True. Yeah, that, that's but, true. Like if THT, okay, so 20 and seven tonight for THT. If THT on the season, let's say more realistic, was like. 16 and five or something like that or 15 and five or something something where he's given you some like a solid number every single night either they're getting a lot for him in a trade because he's so young or they're just saying you know what this is exactly where we paid him and we're keeping him yeah right i guess my point with that that whole you know little spiel is that i think or not my point but i, I wanted to also bring up that i think the league is also kind of split on THT as far as yes. what they think his upside is because we're Lakers fans right we watch we watch the players all every day every game uh and we always kind of talk ourselves into if he can just do this and this then he's going to be like a superstar or an all-star right but you know you canvas across the league and other fan bases and a lot of teams will go eh, you know he's he's good but he's not like that good so that's another thing to consider in these deals, too, because I've seen a lot of people saying, yeah, THT, none, a first and two second round picks or whatever should be enough to get Jeremy Grant. And I'm like, are you sure? Because, like, how does how does the Detroit front office view THT? Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, yep. so that's that's something to always keep in perspective as well Is just that how how you value a player can be just drastically different from how someone else views them, too. Good point. Good point. By the way, I do have uh, for my next man up, I would have THT. As my next one from, from this game. So yeah, I, I know too. we're not we're not talking awards as much tonight because you know other things are happening, but I think he would have been my my next man up guy here. And then the annual or like the the daily LeBron James award goes to LeBron James, yes, right? Goes to LeBron James. Uh Will, nicer. 
uh, said, how do you guys view the shooting versus defense trade-off for this team? On a positive note, <laughs> at least we have better three-point shooting than last season. At what cost? Yeah, the Lakers... The Lakers went all in for three-point shooting after they couldn't shoot at all. Remember the, the playoffs last year, the Phoenix Suns? God, they could so not, bad. Like, the Suns were just going, here you go, open shots, go ahead, take them. And the Lakers couldn't make anything. KCP... Ten, ten feet in the paint, yeah, every possession. Nothing. And Kuzma shot like 19% from three. KCP it was, was so like 21%. Bad. It was awful. It was awful. Yeah. And so the Lakers, not surprisingly, said, oh, we need three-point shooting. They, on purpose sacrifice defense not not like they tried to sacrifice defense but that was the trade-off but prioritize and palinka said this we've got a really good defensive head coach and we think that he can turn this into something right so they they just fell back on well frank vogel we here's a bunch of guys who aren't great defenders but they can shoot we've got a great defensive head coach he's going to make it work and we said at the time that's a big ask of frank vogel that's, and that was going to be a big thing for the season. Could Vogel being a good defensive mind turn bad defenders into good defenders? Um, do you remember when I said this to you? I think I said this online or offline. I can't remember. But I said if Frank Vogel is able to keep this roster at a top 10 to 15 level defense for the rest of the season, mm -hmm. Anthony Davis would be defensive player of the yep. year. I remember that. Because he would have to clean up a lot. <laughs> it's... um. And I, you know, I want to bring this point up too. And I know it's not Lakers related, but it's the same situation or issue that the Utah Jazz have. Yes. Rudy Gobert covers up a lot. a lot. He fixes a lot. Yeah, like go through that Utah Jazz roster, and you tell me who is you know a lockdown three and D guy or who's capable as a perimeter defender, and I will guarantee you, you will not find that many. Uh, but you have a centerpiece, defensive centerpiece like Rudy Gobert, and things are fine. Uh, the Lakers are missing Anthony Davis right now, and this is why I push back every single time people tell me they should trade AD because I guarantee you the Lakers would not be this poor defensively Leave. if he was healthy. That's the next super chat. It says trade Russ and AD. Okay. For what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's another one. Question with some optimism. Are we overreacting since AD has literally been out for a month or second best player? Um, oh. I, I mean, a little, but like they should still, it doesn't change tonight. Right, you still should beat the Pacers nine times, nineteen times out of twenty, even without yes. Anthony Davis. It's probably not really yeah. that big of a margin, but nine, eight or nine times out of ten, you should beat the Pacers without Anthony Davis. I mean, the Lakers were up fifteen at one point. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember that, but, but they were. They were. So yeah, they they had more than enough to win this game, even without AD. So um, Monk made one. Three-point, three-pointer. He only took one. Took one, made one. Should the mm. Lakers try to run more stuff to get him, him more looks? Yeah, he's one of their better three-point shooters. I think I think Monk only having one three-point attempt at the, in, during the game is too low. Um, I think that's fair yes. to say. I won't say that's what like necessarily lost them the game, but ideally, yes, you want to get more looks for Malik Monk than one three-point attempt. I mean, I also go as far as to say he should probably play a little bit more than 28 minutes. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's where I think if we're going to criticize Frank Vogel, it's for sticking with that that starting, in air quotes, group for too long and not going to mm -hmm. the younger guys, the Malik Monk, the Stanley Johnson, you know, those those players. Like if Malik Monk is playing 34-ish minutes tonight instead of 28, Stanley Johnson's playing 23, 24 instead of 16, you know, you're getting more of those guys' minutes. I think you have a better chance to win the game. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think at this point, 
you just need capable two-way guys on the floor as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's it's not hard. The Lakers have pieces to do that. Um, and here, let me say this too. I'm not saying that the Lakers would have absolutely won had they done that, but I do think that they would have had a better shot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, let's fire through some of these super chats. We're going to go rapid fire style here. Jordan Calloway said, do you think they can trade Davis? We already addressed that. They could, I suppose, in theory, but they won't. That's not, I don't think it's something they should do. Um, the roster is horrible tonight. Vogel is a defensive monster. Number one rated defense for like two seasons straight with the right roster. It's not Vogel's fault. Yeah, that, that's the argument for keeping Vogels. Look what you did. Sure. He won a championship. Last season, even with a bunch of injuries, they had the best defense. Front office got rid yeah. of all his best defenders, and this kind of happened. So, but again, Vogel isn't blameless, but it's not all on him either. Agree. Uh, here's a good one for you. Kyle says, who do you have for the NFL divisional rounds? Ah, what a fun question that I don't have to think about the Lakers for. Um, let's see. I am a Rams fan, Homer. I think that the Buccaneers are probably as vulnerable as they're going to be this mm-hmm. playoff run. So I'm going to take the Rams, but very nervously. Okay. Uh, that's me being very, very, very optimistic. I'm going to go Bucks on it, but my heart says Rams. I would rather see the Rams get there. Maybe it's because in a fantasy league, I've got Tom Brady <laughs> and and Mike Evans. That, that could be influencing me there. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I... Um, I've got so I'm I'm nervously taking the Rams. Um, I'm going to take Green Bay, but I think that game is probably going to be the divisional round. Actually, no, I lied. It's going to be Chiefs Bills. I think it's going to be the best game. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to take the Packers. Oh, uh, oh yeah, we've got some breaking news. We'll get back sure. to this. Chris Haynes, Los Angeles Lakers will not be making a personnel move at this juncture, and Frank Vogel will travel with the team tomorrow to coach in Orlando. Man, the fact that. Someone had to leak that just to get ahead of the stories tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense. That's kind of what we said, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, six game road trip um, th- this late into the season. It, did, it doesn't make too much sense to do it. So it makes sense. All right. So Vogel sticks around, but um, at least for now, they are taking him out. Maybe because he coached in Orlando before, they're taking him there and then they're. <laughs> The, the plane's just going <laughs> to leave. Tour. <laughs> then, yeah, then... the revenge tour. I mean, today was supposed to be a revenge game for him. Oh, that's true. That's true. He did coach Indiana. Um. Anyway, okay. 49ers and Packers, who you got? Packers. Okay, I, I would agree. I think I'll be pulling for the 49ers in that situation, though. I don't. I hate the 49ers. Understandable. So. I, I'm, I don't have an NFL team officially, so... Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to say I hate the 49ers or anything, but just as division rivals, you know, you, sure. just by default, you kind of can't like them sure. um i think the afc matchups are actually more they fun, are though. they are um i have actually got the bills and the Bengals. yeah i'm i'm leaning bills too over the chiefs which is crazy because they've been playing great but uh yep and then the Bengals over the titans i don't i feel like tennessee's kind of being slept on like if aj i think so if too AJ but... brown goes and does aj brown things and now you've got julio jones actually healthy and who knows who knows what Derrick Henry, what that situation is. Sure. I'm not going to count out the Titans, but I will say I, I would have the, the Bengals as the favorite. I, I just think the Bengals caught fire, you know, at the right time. And so I, I think that my whole thing is that if the Titans are down, like, you know, one or two scores, I, I'd have a hard time thinking they could come back from yeah. that. But I mean, I shouldn't say that, though, because that team is so resilient and Mike Vrabel's a hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. So 
If they won, I would not be surprised. But I'm going to take the team that I think has, you know, really like opened up some eyes this year. So I'm going to take the Bengals. Somebody said Trevor doesn't know what he wants. Look, the Rams left L.A. when I was a kid. I didn't have a team Mm. growing up. And so I've on purpose kind of kept it where I don't have like I'll support the Rams. I'm not sad when they win. I, I like seeing them win. My wife is a Cowboys fan, but in general, oh, I try to, to keep myself neutral when it comes to NFL because I'm so not neutral with NBA or baseball or MLS or any you know any of these other things. It's kind of nice to just watch football and just enjoy it and not be crushed if a particular team loses or you know anything like that. Who's your Who's your Super Bowl pick? I, I went chalk. You went chalk. I've got yeah. I've got the Bills and the Bucks with the Bills oh. getting the win. I had Bills Packers with Packers winning. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Somebody said, "Are you a Dodgers fan?" Yes. Yes. Go Dodgers. Absolutely. You should check out our sister site, Dodger Blue. They do some great work. Even have a great YouTube they channel sure too. They do. Uh, Joel Embiid for Russ and AD. Seventy Sixers are not trading Joel Embiid. Um, especially after not tonight yes uh <laughs> should we see more zone defense three two or two three against teams that can shoot that's where you run into problems with it so i don't think that's something that you can do um zone is very good situationally yes. to junk up a game and the, but, the pacers did that tonight to the lakers yeah i was just gonna say that if we're gonna actually talk about the game for a little bit um <laughs> i thought that <laughs> sorry um yeah, there was there were moments in I think the second and third quarter where they busted out a zone, and I was like, "Oh, here we go. Here is um, the two or three possessions where the Lakers don't know what to do until they finally realize, oh, let's flash LeBron to the middle so that he can collapse the defense and then he can kick out the shooters properly.' Yeah, it's you know, uh, yeah. But sorry to the questions point though, like zone is good to to break up the monotony of whatever coverages you're using, mm-hmm. but then eventually teams will figure that out pretty quick. Uh, especially a 3-2. You don't really see 3-2 too often in the NBA. That's like more of a college high school thing. But um, yeah, 2-3 zone, same thing. Like, you know, it'll muck up a possession, close off driving lanes, teams will settle for shots. That's what you hope for. And then eventually they'll adjust. And so that's why teams don't run it exclusively for long stretches. Uh, Lords of the Sky said, with AD due to be back, what will be the best game to ease him back into after Orlando? The four games after that are going to be tough. To me, it's it's whenever he's physically it's whenever ready. he's available. Yeah, whenever he's yep. ready, I'm not worried about. Oh, we need to find the right matchup. Just when he's available. Um, he needs reps. Yeah, he does. He's missed, and he needs time in he's practice. A lot of time too. He just got cleared yeah. for contact. He's going to need some time in practice. I'm anticipating it being more towards the end of the road trip than the beginning. That's that's. My I would guess. I would too. Uh, Vector Nova said at least THT was good tonight. Hit his threes. Played good defense. Had seven assists. Also hit numerous mid range shots. I don't understand yeah. why they would pull. For Westbrook, when THT was hot, um, I mean, guys have to rest at some point, but Vogel also pulled Westbrook down the stretch. So, If you had just ridden out the rest of the game with THT, I wouldn't have been upset. Uh, somebody said, what's the Lakers' record when the big three plays? Um, I'd say they're like good seven and question. six or something, I think. But if, like a bunch of those games were with DeAndre Jordan still in the rotation. And so yes. that wasn't that was a problem so they they have like uh pete zayas and i were talking about this the other day they have like six games where the three of them have played and deandre jordan wasn't in the rotation yeah it's not that's not large enough of a sample um yeah you know funny side note too i think someone pulled this stat too i think the brooklyn nets big three has only played like 15 percent of games together they've still won (laughs) quite a bit and that's insane to me. Uh, but yeah, you know, the Lakers and Vogel 
frankly don't know what they have with the small ball lineup because guys are always out. Somebody said, watch the Lakers bring in Kurt Rambis as an interim coach. That would be not good. Yeah, agreed that. Disaster. Uh, a new roster makes coaching difficult to adjust. Yeah, I mean, that's something that maybe we don't talk about as much. Right? Sure, like, yeah. Not only we talk about the Lakers, LeBron, right, having to adjust to new teammates or new teammates coming together and having to adjust, but the coaching staff has to adjust too to getting new players. Whereas, like, let's say the Lakers, even if... So this year, they really went clean slate protocol and it was LeBron, AD, and THT and everybody else was new, right? Yes. Even after the championship, though, they brought in four, five new guys, which is a, a lot, but at least you had short some off season continuity too. and a short offseason. If they yeah. had just kept the championship group, and I know I don't want to, you know, it's water under the bridge, but if they had kept that group, then at least there's that continuity and that familiarity for the coaching staff as well as the players. Yes. And, you know, important point to bring up, and I know people are going to hate it when I say this, but the Lakers have not had their full rotation at all this year. Zero games. Yep. Yep, that's true. And well, a big part of that's Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn has been out but, every game, so yes. Yes, but my, my point being is that Vogel literally hasn't had the lineups he thought he was going to have in September. All right. Not to say that that, that excuses him from anything. I'm just saying that it's been very hard to evaluate what this team can be. This is this is something that I brought up in our text thread today. Um, the Lakers, right now, we've been advocating, if you're going, if you want to win games, more minutes for Stanley Johnson, more minutes for Austin Reeves, right? Avery, yes. Avery Bradley is a starter. That's three guys that were not part of the offseason plan. Is yeah. that an indictment of the offseason roster build? The fact that the uh, fact that in order to win games, you've got to give minutes to guys who were not in any way a thought of being part of the rotation when this team was put together. I I think partially so, but I I do want to be fair and say I don't think they expected Trevor Reza to miss two months. Yeah. You know, Kendrick Nee's bone bruise was ill-timed. Anthony Davis has missed a bunch of time too, so I, I don't necessarily know if if it's an indictment per se, but I think at this point to know that you don't have those guys that I just mentioned available. And yet you have Monk Reeves, Johnson, Avery Bradley available and you're still losing then. Yeah, sure. Um, but I do, again, I'm trying to be fair here and say that I don't think that the front office and coaching staff expected to miss, to have players miss this much time. Yeah. Either at the same time or like at ill opportune times, right? Like someone comes back and then someone leaves. That was a story all of like late November, December. And that's not, I've got some people saying excuses, whatever. Like, that's just a sure, that's like just, it, Here's the thing. Like, should the Lakers have won more games? Yes. But if you yeah. want to dismiss injuries as just excuses and say, oh, it's it, so we can't say that the team was injured, that they've dealt with injuries. Other teams have too. I understand that. But if you're trying to get an overall look at what has created this Lakers season, what's made things play out the way that they've played out, you're not getting an accurate level of analysis if you don't factor in injuries, health and safety protocols. Should they have done better even with those things? Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying this yeah. excuses the performance that we've seen, but it's part of the, the situation that you've got to put together. You have to factor that in. I mean, look, I'll put it this way. Like every team across the league has had a rough stretch because of a star or two missing. Like that's, it's not Lakers exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just that since we cover the Lakers and it's been a, you know, prevalent problem throughout the entire season, it's why we continually bring it up. Um, 
so I, I agree. The Lakers should have more wins. They should be playing better. They should at least look better, even with all these things happening to them. But I, I think it would be disingenuous not to at least include missing players as a factor as to why they're struggling. All right. People are commenting Chris Haynes' tweet. Yeah, we addressed it 10 minutes ago when it, when it first came out. We saw it. We saw it, people. We know that Frank Vogel is not getting fired tonight. If it was up to you, Trevor, would you fire Frank Vogel right now just to get it over with? No. Because you know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. but I, I wouldn't do it right now because, again, what I, I keep going back to, what do you accomplish by doing that? Does the, yes, does the team really improve yeah. by doing that right now? Yes. it's That's my point, too. I, I've gotten that question a lot. Like, when are you guys going to admit that it's time to fire Frank Vogel? And I say, I don't think he is going to be the coach after this season. But the timing of it matters. If you're firing and, him, you're shaking things up just to shake things up. It's not yeah, like, it's there's like a, there's him... a clear coach. It's like it's like if there it's like trading Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Lateral right? move. Right. You're not necessarily you're just shaking things up to shake things up. It's not trading Russell Westbrook and getting Steph Curry or something like that. Like then okay, cool. Hey, do that, right? Deal. Done. Yeah. If you're just you're just trading to trade. In this case, if you're getting rid of Vogel, who you're bringing in? You're bringing in David Fisdale. You're bringing in somebody else that's probably not going to be better than Frank Vogel. So yeah. what's the point there? Unless you're just hoping that that sparks the team to go, oh man, coach got fired. We really need to get after it. Uh, yeah, if you tell me that that's if if you could tell the front office that if they can guarantee to the front office if we fire Frank Vogel the Lakers will pick up x amount of wins they probably would do it sure but there's there's no guarantee like if you told me hey the Lakers are gonna play a lot better they're gonna go on this like twenty five and five run of wins and it's after they fire Frank Vogel and I would say like then yeah they should absolutely fire him but there's just no guarantee that that's gonna do anything and you know there's the other side of the coin where the Lakers could perceivably be worse yeah. Because this upcoming schedule is very brutal. So this to... was the gimme game tonight. Exactly. That's mm. why I'm, that's why I was so disappointed at the top of this show. Because yeah. I said this is the game they needed to win. Yeah. <laughs> Every game is must win for the Lakers at this point, but this is absolutely one. You know, like I'll tell you this, Trevor, it wouldn't surprise me that if the Lakers pick up some wins they probably shouldn't get on this road trip. But it would just make defeats like tonight worse because instead of building all this positive momentum, it's like broken up into chunks or pieces. Yeah. Uh, John Oliva said, Trevor and Matt, what's truly next after this game? The fan base has given up. The franchise is in turmoil. Do we just sink the boat? No. No, I don't think They don't so. have a pick. <laughs> they, they don't have their pick. Like, no, like really, oh, that's where you really like they're not in a situation. Like there's teams right now I mean, that, could, yeah. that could sell yeah. off pieces. And tank for a pick. And there's people yeah. who I've seen that have been suggesting the Lakers do that. They don't have their draft pick. There's no reason for them to blow it up right now unless you've got so unless you're getting like a bunch of young talent that's gonna fit perfect and all this. But that's not that's not the case. So there's no just blow it up and walk away. As frustrated as people are, people just want to see just burn this whole thing down and we can forget about it and fast forward to next season. That's not gonna happen. No, you don't trade for Russell Westbrook and you don't waste a year of LeBron's prime. Yeah. Or not prime, but a good year of LeBron to blow it all up. Yeah. So it's not going to happen. I think, you know, if you were looking at this, you know, in a vacuum, you probably might consider it if they had a draft pick. But 
they they don't. So there's really no point to throwing away the season. Um, the Lakers are still in the playing tournament, guys. Right now, they they're technically still in the playoffs as of right now. As of right now, um, somebody said, "How bad is it to be a Lakers fan right now?" Like, step back. They won a championship 15 months ago. It's not that bad, right? Like, that's that's pretty good. Um, I'm I, Trevor. We're so much more immune to this turmoil and chaos and drama is like the norm for being a Lakers that's fan. True. And so, uh, I I I have been through five or six seasons of intentionally losing for 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 high draft picks. Yep. I I don't want to do that again. No, that's that was not fun. Uh, and like, can I can I say something yep, else real quick? Ahead. There are a lot of people or a lot of teams that would kill to be in the Lakers position right now. Yes. To even say that I have a shot of making the playoffs for certain fan bases is well worth, you know, all the struggles that come along with it. Like if I was a Kings fan or if I was a Pistons fan or, you know, Pelicans since like 2006. Yeah. See, like if you take things into perspective and I'm, and I'm not trying to rag on those fan bases right now or anything. I'm just saying that if I was in their shoes, mm-hmm. the fact that my team's the eighth seed and I could make the playoffs and I could watch, you know, my team a little bit longer in April and possibly May, I, I would take that every, every day. Um, you know, it's just as a Lakers fans, your expectations are so much higher that it's, it sucks that when your team's struggling and barely making the playoffs, but for other teams, this is awesome. So when I think about it that way, I feel a little bit better about it, but you know, I'm a Lakers fan myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see the team contending for titles, not just playoff spots. Absolutely. Uh, Richard Kennedy said, all we need is buddy healed with last year's team. Yeah. I mean, you were going to have to give up some things to get him. It was going to be Trez, I believe and Kyle Kuzma, and Kuz. uh, but yeah. I mean, that probably would help your team out a, a little bit. Uh, Buddy Heald hasn't had the best season. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire and you're going, man, this guy would have been great. But sure, you can make the argument that he could have been a good shooter for them to, to have. Um, I think we have a large enough sample size to where I think you and I can both agree that if they had just ran back the same team last year, they would have been fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they had ran back, like imagine if they had ran back the same team and still managed to get Malik Monk. And I won't say that that was definitely in the works or anything like that, but... That would, or even that just mellow would have solved the problem. You probably perceivably still get Austin Reeves because he was undrafted, sure. and you can probably get Stanley Johnson because of all the hardship exception stuff that happened, and you presumably still get Carmelo Anthony. Could have been good. I, I'd be perfectly fine with that roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one here, Kadeem Gaines. Since Turner is injured, Grant's off the table. Would you make a marginal move like Bazemore for Kenrich Williams? I think he's going to cost a lot more than Bazemore. Uh, DJ for Muscala. <laughs> he said ducks. <laughs> I've seen that trade floated. Kendrick Williams and 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 um. Oh my God, Mike Muscala for DeAndre Jordan, Baysmore in like seconds. I would probably do that. Well, yeah, but I think Kendrick Williams is going to cost more. If like it's he's, just Ken, he can play. I, I I mean, you're not wrong, but I think if you told Sam Presti I can get two second round picks, I, I'd probably still. Well, true. He does love picks, so he'd be pretty excited. Yeah. It would be like putting hamburgers in front of the hamburger or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I would be okay with any move as long as they're not making a desperation THT trade. Sure. Uh, oh, here's one more super chat came in. Vogel makes changes when things are running fine, but will not make changes when things are not running fine. What's the logic there? I understand the frustration with some of the changes that he makes. And Remember what we said. Anytime that it makes sense for the Lakers to do something, they won't do it. <laughs> uh, we do need to finish with a master lock, though. We didn't get to that yet. I know we're running long, but... If you were to master lock any for anything from this game, what is it? 
me texting you that I was going to come on the show today. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, my the chat has a point that they they think it's you. I I'm not gonna be on the show Monday, so if they win, which they probably will, um, you know, we'll keep that right. We'll we'll keep the wave going. I won't hop on until they lose without me on the show. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. If I were to master lock anything from this game, it would be sticking too long with the with the rotations that weren't working. I think they need to be so a little bit quicker to change. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so vocal. <laughs> All right. Appreciate everybody for joining us. Rough night. Frank Vogel will endure. He will coach against his old club, the Orlando Magic, next game. We'll see if the Lakers can pick up a win. They better pick up a win in that one. They certainly need it. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.